0: blog talk radio welcome welcome out there in blog talk radio land i hope you guys had a marvelous valentine's day i heard some people who say they had a wonderful valentine's day and and this show is about love actually the guest here wrote a story on unfailing love and that's what we hope for valentine's day and for for romance and just that agape love so we're going to talk a little bit more about that. And again, I hope you did have a wonderful. We well, just 2 days ago, Valentine's Day, and now we're headed for what well, President's Day and the Oscars, and so many awards and holidays and things that just keep coming that keep us wanting wanting to stay engaged in life in this world and to keep moving forward. And our guest is going to going to talk to us about when we come into times when We may feel stuck or like, you know what, it's not worth it anymore, so what do we do then? But before we introduce you to our phenomenal guest today, I want to leave this thought with you, and this thought is from Brian Tracy. There are no limits on what you can accomplish except the limits you place on your own thinking. I actually saw another person Who's, uh, and I can't think of his name, or his, his face is coming up in my mind He's a successful person, he said the sky isn't the limit oh, I'm, I'm the one who sets the limits for what I can do But there are no limits on what you can accomplish except the, except the limits you place on your own thinking So welcome, welcome, welcome again to this Saturday, February the 16th Off the Shelf, thank you for joining us to our new listeners and to those who've been with us for 14 years, I want to welcome you again to Off The Shelf and Off The Shelf listeners, how good are you at figuring things out before it is revealed, whether it's something that's going on in the real, real world or something that's going on in a movie or a book that you read. You are very good. You are all you have to do is read. Let's say the novel's 300 pages. You read 150 pages. Boom, you know who did it. Whether it's Agatha Christie, whether it's one of those whether years ago it was the Sherlock Holmes, Walter Mosley, his mysteries, but you knew who it was before the author revealed it. If you're that kind of person and you like mysteries for that reason, I think you will love, love, pour over me. But you could also love, love, pour over me if you value soulmates, you like romance, and you value friendships. There's also a complicated father-son relationship in love pour over me. So you, you've you got from the cradle up something that is impacting you, a relationship with a parent. It's going to impact your relationships with your friends, your ability to make close and keep close friends, and somebody you were meant to spend your entire physical experience with. Your, this What's going on between you and your parent, you don't know it at the time, it's going to unpack your ability to track that person and to stay with them and to enjoy a long, healthy relationship with them. That's what you were meant to do, but how is your early conditioning going to allow you or disallow you to do that? If you value those things and you like learning life lessons while you're reading and being fully entertained, I really encourage you to get a copy of Love Pull Over Me right now. I tell people stop talking yourself out of it. Stop saying I'm going to get that book. I got to get that book, but you never do. Get the book. Somebody I M to me this week, and I, I make gonna make a note. I missed the I M, and and I and I haven't gotten back to the person. I want to. So you may want to get Love Pull Over Me, but, like, I have to respond to the person. You have to actually take the steps to click over to Amazon, e-book it, Barnes & Noble, and order the book. And once you're done, you're done, and then you can start enjoying Love Pull Over Me. So I encourage you to do that right now, to go over and get your copy in print or e-book of Love Pull Over Me. If you're in the store and you don't see it, just ask the clerk to order your copy of Love Pull Over Me by Denise Turney and they can order a special copy for you because it's carried by the largest book distributors in the world. So please go do that now. Just click on over and get your copy of Love Pour Over Me. And let me know how you enjoyed this story. And now let us go and meet today's special off-the-shelf guest. Now our special off-the-shelf guest this morning is Yolando Cooksey, and Yolando is a retired senior PDF we're going to have to learn what that stands for, having worked at the City of San Jose. She worked there, you guys, for more than 15 years. Yolando, she loves music, the art, sports, and walking. I love to walk, too. We have a lot of the same passions. Yolando is a published devotional author. She's been published in the Upper Room. I loved reading that magazine. And she was recently published in an anthology, The Short and Sweet of It, When the Right Word is a Short Word. Interesting, Yolando is pursuing a master's degree in social work with a goal to counsel at risk youth and children in the foster system that is so needed. Yolando is a mother, grandmother, friend, and most importantly a daughter of the most high God. It is her dream that women truly learn who and whose they are. even more, Yolando is a contributor to a rise from the ashes we've had several authors who've contributed to Arise from the Ashes on Off the Shelf. And Arise from the Ashes is an empowering anthology that includes stories of triumph over tragedy and hard setbacks from seven women. The title of Yolando's story in the Arise from the Ashes anthology is Unfailing Love. How timely, and I didn't know when we were, she actually was rescheduled. She was scheduled earlier months ago, but... Uh, something came up and she had to be rescheduled That it would be this close to Valentine's Day So her story again is titled Unfailing Love Now I encourage you to listen As Yolanda shares lessons that she has learned And some of them might be lessons you say You know what, I, that's a lesson I've learned Including as you continue to listen to today's show You're also going to get tips on how you can start anew Start fresh And the importance of trusting God instead of other people even people who call themselves experts. We are so honored to have Yolanda Cooksey with us on Off the Shelf this morning. Let's give her a warm, warm Off the Shelf welcome. Welcome to Off the Shelf, Yolanda.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Denise, for having me this morning.
0: We are so happy to have you here with us. Uh, The first few questions I ask you will be questions I ask every guest on the show. Because our listeners like to get a little bit of backstory on our guests before we just start launching into their writings and other other works that they are involved in. So to begin, okay. would you tell us where you grew up, Yolando, and what life was like for you growing up?
1: Well, I actually was born in Houston, Texas. Woohoo, Houston. And then we moved to my parents. We moved to California in 1965. So I was raised in East Palo Alto and my father was a pastor. You know, I was a PK and as I was younger, Life was wonderful. I mean, I really enjoy spending time with family. I was very close with my mom and my dad and, you know, just really enjoying life. And I have a brother. We're, we are 10 months and two weeks apart, so we're considered Irish twins because we're the same age from his birthday to my birthday, but I'm still the oldest. Uh, so I do enjoy family and, uh, you know, growing up. But once my dad became a pastor, you know, things changed after that. And just growing up in an environment of, you know, a little bit of isolation, Uh, we were being scrutinized, you know, because my dad was a pastor. So, you know, they're looking at our lives and, and pointing fingers and, you know, scrutinizing our lives and every move that we made. So I think that was like the changing point in my life where things began to change for me, and I w- I started to, you know, develop a pleaser personality and t- kind of transitioning. I w- was in p- private schools, uh, ended up graduating from uh, Castilea, which is an all-girl, predominantly Caucasian school in uh, Palo Alto, and uh, then went on to college, and then some things happened that transitioned my life in a different path that I did not plan. Well, hopefully I didn't plan but you know, God in His gracious wisdom allowed me to, to see that you know it was all for a purpose.
0: Wow. Okay, so it's you and your and your brother and the way you grew up. My oldest brother is a pastor, and uh, he's been passing over probably close to maybe thirty years. And I used to be a church secretary, but um, that that's one thing that pastors' uh, kids say. You feel like all eyes on me. It's it's almost mm. like. It's not like being a – it's like almost being a celebrity but in a smaller uh, context. I mean, it's not like where millions of people know you with all eyes. And definitely on the pastor, people are watching every move you make. And I guess sometimes that can make you what, – what do I have to do to get people not to criticize me or say negative things about me? And that can become a all life goal. Right. That can become a life goal. Now, you also worked for the city of San Jose for – more than fifteen years, and clearly yes. as a PDS. So I had to ask you first: What does a P? What is? What does that stand for, and what does a PDF do?
1: Well, when I retired, I was a senior police data specialist, and so I've always told my friends, "I was like it's a glorified name for a record supervisor." But what I did was a lot of training uh, people. I'm sorry, entry-level police data specialist. Like, say, for instance, you stop and, you know, see an officer, perhaps somebody pulled over, they're calling and they're, you know, checking for if the person has any warrants or anything. They're calling usually into either records or dispatch. And so I would train girls or or gentlemen uh, in the entry-level procedures of, you know, performing the job job tasks that we had, and we also had three areas that we assisted citizens, and so we had some public contact and learning how to deal with the public. Everybody wasn't always happy, you know, coming in uh, to the police department. So,
0: <laughs> yeah. so you had to be
1: trained on how to respond, you know, not react to some people, but how to respond to them uh, still in a professional manner. And the last, I think, 10 years I was in the training unit, so I did a lot of the training and in addition to, you know, working on the floor because we were kind of short staffed. So, I worked a position, supervised, updated manuals, and did training. so I love the work and I really enjoy it and I think that's the passion part of the reason why I'm pursuing a career in as a a licensed marriage family therapist. I was going for a social worker, but I guess God had a different direction for me, so I'm uh now on a path of a licensed marriage family therapist I've seen the other side, and I'm kind of a passionate for about prevention. There's so many things that just us as human beings, especially us as women, you know, don't have to experience if we have the right people in our lives.
0: Ah, uh, you, oh, you still doing that um, helping other people. We all are connected work, and I thank you. I thank you for that. Um, in what ways you talked about some of the things you saw that now you want to be a marital, marriage counselor, or catch it at. Some issues at the root Like I was talking earlier about the novel I wrote With Raymond and his father His his father is untreated, alcoholism You don't know how What you go through as a child Is going to shape you And and impact your ability To have healthy relationships Years down the road So the marital counseling If you catch it at the root And uh, make sure people Maybe a couple, they really don't belong together And if they get together and they have kids It's not going to be good to, to catch it at the root. So saying all of that, in what ways did your job as a PDS? I'm sure you saw a lot of things. Prepare you for ministry and your inspirational writing.
1: Well, it prepared me in the way that as I was like we one of our units that we have was a fingerprint unit, and so we actually like people who were cited like out in the field, they had to come in and get fingerprinted before they went to court. And what broke my heart is there were so many girls coming in that had been cited for prostitution. And looking back over my own life experiences of, you know, how I was looking for love in all the wrong places and, you know, thinking that in order to get a man to like me, I had to give my body to him And that just broke my heart. So as I'm fingerprinting them, I'm talking to them. And, you know, I was even able to develop relationships, you know, uh, through the telephone or email, not actual physically meeting. But I stayed in contact with a couple of them for a little while before they, you know, disappeared again. And I also work with a teen girls ministry where they're 5th to 12th grade girls, and that's part of what we try and share with the girls is, understanding not only who they are, but whose they are that, you know, God didn't create us as women to be used as sexual toys or to be abused, whether it's domestic violence, uh, because I have been married and divorced twice, and both of them were verbally and physically abusive. So my experiences and, and what I went through and how God moved in my life he's been using as not only a testimony, but to help other women and specifically young girls. That's why I was talking about, you know, uh, mentoring and reaching these young girls. My passion is working with at-risk youth and foster children. My goddaughter was in the foster system, so I had a firsthand uh, experience with that system. And it's, you know, trauma up on top of trauma on top of trauma. And my heart just breaks for those kids and just, you know, my, God has just put me in a, on a path where I just need to give back. And if I can help one young lady, one teen girl make a different decision, you know, not get teen pregnant, you know, focus on education, get your degree, choose the right man and understand that you are worthy of love. And not But not just what society calls love, but an understanding of God's love, what he has for us, if we would just be patient and wait. And I didn't do that, so... I'm sharing with other girls and women now of you know, how they can make that choice for themselves. But ultimately the choice is up to them.
0: Ah, yes. We can't force people to do anything. They would generally go right back to the whole thing anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but, okay. Yeah. What what did you dream of becoming, Yolanda, when you were when you were a kid? What did you want to be when you grew up?
1: When I was a kid, I wanted to be a physical therapist. Uh, ah. For some reason, I, yeah, I love sports. I was never um, a girly girl, you know, the foo girls are hair and the makeup and all. I was a tomboy. And so, <laughs> you know, I was outdoors with dad changing the oil on the car or painting or cutting grass or, you know, doing things that typically girls weren't doing. And um, I just, you know, that's just how I, you know, just want to be. So
0: okay, you wanted to be a you. You, I, I'm listen, <laughs> a physical I, therapist is haunted. what I wanted. We we are we are a little over fifteen minutes into the show, and I'm I'm hearing you you seem attra- uh, attracted or or uh, motivated toward service, Were well, you're helping service serving others everything mm-hmm. from the little girl up you you want to help other people i think that's a beautiful thing but almost every question or what the work you've done it's leading down that path how old were you when you knew that you wanted to be a writer
1: well i wasn't i don't know what, how old I was. I I think I turned to writing as an adult. I had grown up always, you know, because my, like I said, my dad was a pastor, my mom's very involved with the church. We used to feed the homeless. And so I grew up in an atmosphere of service, I grew up in an atmosphere of giving. But I think that God still gave me, you know, my own heart for giving once I grew up and went through the experiences. I've always been a giver. And so um, as I grew up, then I, you know, I kind of transitioned into my own, but I think I did the writing. I started journaling uh, when I got to the point where I had point in my life where I didn't like where I was going. I didn't like the way things were, what I was doing. And I needed to, I needed a change. I needed help. And I got down on my knees and I asked God to, you know, I've tried everything else but you And I remember the foundation that I was given. And so I started uh, going to church, return, going to church, rededicated my life to Christ. And they taught me about the church that I attended in Fremont, uh, Fremont Bible Fellowship. Uh, They taught me how to journal. And so as I'm journaling, I'm starting to write poetry. I'm starting to just really share, you know, God is just starting to speak through me and, and everything is coming out on paper, and I was actually sharing with another friend of mine. I said this is kind of scary because once it's out in print, it's like yeah. you can't take it back, you know. <laughs> and you never know how people are, are, are going to think about you, or, or you know, or, or you know, their perception. But you know, God has really just spoken to me and said it's not about me. This is going to help somebody because we all have a story. We all go through things. But like when I was growing up, it was always kept in the family, especially as African Americans. You know, we or tend to, you know, we keep it inside. You know, you don't tell nobody what goes on in the house stays in the house. And so many things happen to us as children that, you know, we didn't, we're now seeing the effects of it and are trying to figure out how to deal with all this stuff. And so Mm -hmm. mine came out through the writing. That's what I use the journaling and, and just, you know, pouring my heart out to God and through prayers and my poetry and Yeah. That's where the writing came from.
0: You know, it's amazing that um, that that you, the, the church you went to taught you about journaling. I don't think most churches teach practical, uh, self help type of work like that. That's a good thing. I think that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Now, is, is your is your life's mission your writing part of your mission, or do you see it writing as another avenue to reach women? Uh, particularly in the in, uh, thing, again, about, about Valentine's Day, a lot of people probably felt crappy. They didn't have nobody. And I wonder how many people will go out and get into a relationship just to say, I'm in one. I don't know where that comes from. I really don't. And it's a bad relationship. It's a bad one. Mm-hmm. You end up maybe having kids to raise alone or the person is emotionally abusive, psychologically abusive. They keep telling you all the mistakes you make, and everything that's wrong in their life is your fault, or they're physically abusive or financially abusive, and you stay because you say, well, at least I'm not by myself. (laughs) So is that, do you see your writing, you started journaling like to help yourself, but do you see writing as another avenue uh, to reach women as a part of your ministry?
1: Yes. It's amazing that you said that. I think when I started the writing and started journaling how I felt and what was really going on with me, I had never really taken a look at what I wanted or understood who God created me to be. Like, you know, God created us as women, as emotional creatures. By nature, we are nurturers. So that is our desire is to be loved. But because we don't understand not only who we are, but who created us and what love is really about, we've fallen for the lie that society has given that love is about sex. Love is about, you know, in in, in a relationship with somebody, regardless of how this person is treating you, that still means love. And I can speak to that because I did that myself. Like I said, you know, I was in both the marriages. My first marriage was 10 years. And my second marriage was seven year, well, almost seven years. But both of them were relationships that, you know, well, first, I, the first relationship marriage was I got pregnant and we ended up getting married, you know, because I was the pastor's daughter. So it's not, it's not good for the pastor's daughter. So,
0: you know, we he
1: agreed, but, you know, I mentioned to him he agreed and, and you know, we ended up getting married, but that wasn't who God had for me. And then the second time, it was after I had given my life to Christ, had, you know, remained pure, um, you know, waiting for my husband. And it was a friend who I had known before. He had also given his life to Christ. But on the day that I got married, the Lord told me not to marry him. And I'm like, I'm looking around at my friends like, wait a minute, everybody's getting married. I, you know, I'm, I ain't getting no younger. And, you know, so I allowed that pressure instead of trusting God, I allowed that pressure to take over. And I'm married. The first two years are wonderful, but then, you know, it went a different way. And sometimes we as women, we get with a man because we feel that we can change him. And the thing is, if that man is not doing what you are desiring for in a relationship in the first place, he's not going to change. You have to you have to understand, we as the women have to understand that, you know, we have to know who we are and what we'll accept, what we won't accept. And so I think, you know, the writing that I'm doing, because I'm actually working on a, a, another piece of, well, some more books, but the writing is a overall understanding of, you know, this is a journey. Our, all of us have a journey in life this is a path. Each of us have an individual path that we've, you know, been put on. But we have a choice in understanding that, okay, wait a minute, just because this is what society says doesn't mean that I have to believe that. I have to believe if I'm going to choose God, I have to believe what God says. And so that's what's helped me in the writing is that cause, and it's not easy, I'm gonna tell you, it's not easy. Valentine's Day came, I was going through the the issues, <laughs> you know, looking oh, at the flowers yeah. and you know on Facebook and stuff, and finally I had to put the phone down, and I you know because the enemies are immediate email well you don't have anybody. I'm like, no, you know, yeah. God loves me, and I know that I'm not alone, and He has somebody for me, and I have to wait. I'm not going to be out just getting any you know getting into a relationship when that is not what God wants me to do right now. And I think that you know, it's that's not the norm for society today. And it's hard; it's a, it's going against the grain, you know. So it may, it makes it hard for women to, even men, you know, to say, "Hey, I want to do this and that." But then you've got this other, you know, agenda being pushed on you that it, it makes it really hard, and you really have to make some difficult decisions.
0: Oh my goodness! And I, you know, what I I saw this year, I saw the Galentine's Day. You know, if you whether you're in a relationship with a, a a guy or not, if you're a woman or vice versa, the fact that you got great friends, you could I mean that the love from your friends don't don't discount mm-hmm. that, don't discredit that. And then people saying, oh, I, they love their singleness. It's there does seem to be a push to be coupled up all the time. But I'm telling you, you'd rather be single than in a horrible relationship. Any 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 day. Um,
1: That's so true.
0: So who 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 as we go into your story on love i want to ask you who or what inspired you to pursue writing i know you started journaling is that where you got to is that where your your passion for writing and your love of books came from
1: yeah well i've always had a love i've always had a love of books i like to read um but when i started journaling i went to a um oh, what's it called uh, mount hermon Christian writers conference And that was where I got my first exposure to, you know, because somebody looked at one of the poems that I wrote, and they were like, oh, you need to write a book. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't know anything about writing a book. And then another friend of mine went to the conference, and I went with her. And I've been almost every year except for like three years. And so that's where I've kind of gotten, you know, my feed. And then I met Paulette. Uh, And, you know, she has been such an inspiration, you know, with her writing and then her helping other people to write. And So she, you know, did the compilation and, you know, asked for people to become involved in it. And it was such an awesome experience because it was just my second time. And it was just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. So, and, you know, it's funny because sometimes you you want to write and you want to put things out, but then the enemy is like, nobody's going to read this, nobody's going to care. And so then here comes Paulette, and she, you know, gives this 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 <laughs> opportunity. And, and it's been so amazing because the women that have purchased the book and read it, all the stories are wonderful. But, mm-hmm. you know, like someone come back and they say they really enjoyed my story because they connected with it. They saw themselves in it. And they saw how maybe they can make some different choices and, you know, uh, get out of relationships or even stay in a relationship, but, you know, change their dynamics and change their thought process and their mindset and not focus so much on the man, but focus more on God. And so it's just been amazing how God has been using the writing and he's, you know, I, I need to, he's been working on me because I'm not really like a um well, I call myself an introvert. People who know me say that I'm not, but I, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm cool in the background. I don't need to be up front. You know?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but then God keeps doing stuff where he's putting me, Oh no, you go up there a girl. <laughs> you know, cause, cause women need to see that there are other women who struggle with the same things and that there, there can be a different choice. There can be a different. You know, um, yeah. outcome for life. Uh-huh. You know,
0: I'm thinking about me, myself and then other, especially when you're young. I'm older, older now, my middle years. But I can remember in my early, like late teens and twenties, and I thought I knew what I was doing and so certain the choices I was making. But I see younger people even now making similar mistakes, especially with relationships. I think the thing is nothing, nothing to me impacts us more than relationships, and it's painful. Mm-hmm. To Young people in the wrong Relationships and you know Like I'm like I I can't guarantee Anything but I'm pretty sure this is not Going to get better for you but I can't I just got To sit back and you have to learn for Yourself I can give you advice but You have to learn for yourself but the work you do And then you know like Any woman talking to another woman like You can't tell somebody what to do but you Can say have you really thought that Through or have you noticed how he That's all you can do make your own Decisions yes it is but to but to try to help where you can. So how where did you meet Paulette, and how did you get started with the anthology Arise from the Ashes"?
1: Uh, I met Paulette a few years ago. I went to hear her speak at a conference, and that's how I met Paulette. I met her through Donna Donna Moses, and so oh, okay. um, that's yeah. So Donna Moses knew Paulette. We went to I went to the conference with. Donna, and because Paulette was skiing, and she's an awesome speaker, too, <laughs> and so we, um, that's how I ended up meeting her, so then she found out that I write, and, you know, was working on some projects, and so we, um, she sent an email when she sent out about, you know, to inquire about people that were interested in participating, and so I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I can, I was a little nervous. <laughs> But I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did. It was a wonderful experience.
0: Yeah, and look how you who knows how many other doors that will open for you. Now, what inspired you, Yolanda, to write Unfailing Love? Why did you choose that particular topic?
1: Uh, I choose, chose that particular topic because, as you say, or well, I mentioned earlier that, you know, women – are created as nurturers, as um, when, you know, we have that need to be loved. And the experiences that I went through, and the things that I went through, and that was one of the things I wanted to share with "Arise from the Ashes" because I went through so many different experiences. I lost a son; my first son uh, passed away at six weeks old, uh, which sent me on a spiral of you know drugs and alcohol and prescription medication, drugs, and alcohol, and, you know, trying to dull the pain and then, you know, going to men to fill that void that only God can fill. So I was searching in love and began, you know, when I was a teenager, you're looking for love in all the wrong places. I didn't feel that I was receiving it at home. I wasn't validated as a young girl. And so I I went out searching for love from others and, you know, growing up, and this was just my personal experience, you know, I was dark-skinned. I wasn't light-skinned. Uh, you know, I wore glasses, you know, Coke bottle glasses. So I wasn't what society deemed as, you know, the pretty girls. And so you wasn't. I wasn't like one of the ones that was, you know, the first one picked for the dance or the first one picked for dating or, you know, different things like that. So I ended up developing a pleaser personality and felt that you know, me being in a relationship, like you said, whether it was a a harmful relationship or whether it was a good relationship, I, I was with somebody. And to me, I didn't fit in. And as I learned that, you know, God showed me that that wasn't true love, that, you know, the unconditional love of Christ was what is true love. And then he helped me develop that intimate, personal love relationship. I mean, I fell in love with, God. I fell in love with Jesus Christ. And that has been the foundation to help me understand not only who I am, but whose I am. And and it gives me the strength to not be in relationships that are not pleasing, that are not, you know, from God or God ordained. And I understand now that I am deserving of love. I deserve to be loved the way God wants me to be loved, because he only wants the best for me. And if I yes. go out looking for – and see, every time I've gone out looking for a relationship, I've messed it up because it's not God's best for me. And mm-hmm. so now I'm waiting. You know, if if he has somebody in this life for me, fine. If it's not, that's fine, too. And that took a lot of strength to say that. But <laughs> I understand that God loves me. And when you yeah. really grasp that God loves me, that He's there's nothing that's going to happen in my life that God hasn't already ordained. So if I want somebody who says for me to commit my ways to Him, and He will give me the desires of my heart. So as I love Him, as I develop that relationship with Him, and that's what we as women don't understand, that when we're waiting for that mate, our relationship with God should be increasing. you got to get that vertical relationship right, because if the vertical relationship is not right, your horizontal relationship is not going to be right, no matter what you do. 'Cause eventually at some point in time it's gonna slide to the left or slide to the right. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: now in But unfailing that, love. that vertical
1: uh, yeah that vertical relationship yeah. will all is the foundation.
0: Ah. Well thank you for sharing that. In a, in unfailing love, you say that you, you gave your marriage your all. And and yes. you know, I, I I dated a guy and he told me that nobody or very few people get married thinking they're ever going to get divorced. So in in in, in your story and i falling in Unfalling love. You say that you gave your marriage your all. How long were you married? I know you one time you said two years, but in this marriage that you gave everything to, did you think it would last forever? And how long were you married? And how long did it take you for our listeners? Who might be in a bad marriage, and someone in a, in a very atrocious marriage? Some people, if they don't come out of the relationship, the person might take their life. But how long were you married, and how long did it take you to adjust to the change of not being married? Now I asked this question for this reason: I was married for eight years and got divorced, and I was told to give yourself at least a year to adjust. And I was so glad I got that 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 tip because it doesn't you don't know, not gonna get over it in a week. So I wanted to just you share your personal experience, uh, how long you were married, and how long did it take you to adjust to the change of not being married?
1: I was married for 10 years, and um, it took me, oh, I want to say 92. I got married again in 97. So it was seven years, but it was 90. There were two years after I got divorced. There were two to three. It was almost three years where mm-hmm. I just, you know, I was a single mom, had two sons. I was living in Los Angeles, ended up moving back home with my parents until I got my own place. So I was kind of like, you know, buck Because <laughs> at mm-hmm. this point, I had not rededicated my life to Christ. And mm-hmm. th- because I was hurt, and, and even in that marriage, I wasn't going to church. Um, I didn't have a relationship with Christ when I was growing up. I was, I was going through the motions. I was doing religion. I learned the books of the Bible. I could, you know, quote back and forth, but, and, you know, knew the scriptures and everything, and they were planted in me. However, the difference was there was no real relationship. Mm-hmm. And two, three years after I got divorced, like I said, I mentioned earlier, and you'll read some of the stuff, part of the book, you know, after so many men, it's like, you know what, I just, I, I couldn't do it. And I, there was a gentleman in my bed at 430 in the morning, and so I'm told, I think it was the Spirit of the Lord that said, you know, have him leave. And I got came back in the house and got on my knees and said, Lord, I can't do this anymore. I don't like what I'm becoming. I don't like who I'm turning into and I need to change. I said, but I can't do it without you. I've tried everything but you. And your word says to test you, and I'm gonna try you. And that Sunday, I went to church with my son, rededicated my life to Christ, and then I waited until that was in '92. And in '96, '97, I got uh, I got remarried, and until that time, I, you know, just trusted God and developed my relationship with God.
0: You, and, that, you know, I'm I'm so glad you shared that again. So when we do go through changes, uh, that was so helpful for me to hear, give yourself at least a year. And then some people say don't, don't make, of course you want to do what the Lord tells us, but no more than two or three major life changes, changing a job, moving, those types of things, don't do more than three within like a 12 or 18-month span. It can put pressure on you even if you're not aware that it's doing that. But, yeah, give yourself right. time. Give yourself time. Now, I don't know if you actually touch on this in your story on falling love, but studies have shown that men often come out better than women financially following a divorce. I wanted to ask you why why you think this is, and what do you think men are doing that women aren't, that they come out better after a divorce than women do?
1: Um, I don't know. I really didn't have, well, the second one I did, but... <laughs> Excuse me, I'm getting over a cold. Uh, I think the women tend to leave their financial affairs and everything into the hands of the of the man, and so they don't really prepare. When women go, generally when women go into a marriage or relationship, they're in it for the long haul because we give our heart. And so when you're with that person, you're not thinking about divorce. You're not thinking about, wait, wait a minute. What if this person, you know, falls out of love with me because he was never in love with you in the first place? But, you know, what if he falls out of love? How am I going to take care of me or the kids, you know, if something happens? And that's, I mean, generally when you go into a relationship or marriage, you don't want to think about divorce. But we as women need to also learn how to, you know, we have finances together, but, you know, plus, you know, just a savings account, you know, I don't, I think we as, especially African marriages aren't really taught to prepare, you know, in a relationship, you know, and yes, we trust God, but God also makes us a steward and God also tells us to use wisdom, you know, and, and, you know, God took care of me. It was, you know, I prayed through both of those divorces and, you know, God still, he, he gave me favor, you know, and I really trusted him and cause the second one was trying to take everything. And I'm like, because I had a better job than him, but it's like, hold up, but wait, we, <laughs> 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 you, go, you go, you're you trying to take everything, Wait a minute. <laughs> so yeah. Put, I think you know that's just that a part like, of life.
0: Yeah. That's a good tip. Put, put maybe a separate account uh, especially if the other person is is going through the joint account, they're just spending, spending, spending. Maybe you do get a separate mm-hmm. account just in case. And maybe not if you get a divorce, but what if the person passes away? All kind of things can exactly. happen.
1: Exactly. And just save it, it for to... emergencies, not Because yes. I tell, like, my sons got married, and I told both of them before I said, before you guys get married, I have two sons, 35, oh, he 36, he just turned 36. And 31, and I told him before you get married, divorce is not an option. If you go into a marriage with divorce on mine, it's going to happen. But you, because, because marriages work. But make sure you're yeah. with the right person before you just jump into it. You know, getting married just for the sake of being married or for the sake of having somebody. Make sure that you're willing to, to deal, because everybody has baggage. Make sure you're willing to deal with the baggage and make sure that divorce is not an option because marriage requires work. But that's the God's design for us, for his children, Mm -hmm. is marriage. You know, it's the sanctity of marriage, man and woman, and you, you know, you allow God to to work in that. Mm. And it's important because it's the children. You know, and then you start having, like you mentioned earlier, you start having children, and you're really not thinking. And divorce really negatively impacts children, uh, in addition to everything else. You know how they see the father, uh, you know, treat the mother, how they see the mother treat the father. It, it's the whole family dynamics is is, a, is has an impact on the child, and then they grow up, and they can this stuff just continues from generation to generation. And at some point, somebody has to say enough is enough. This has to stop.
0: Yes. Yes. Now, now, from the things, the experiences you went through in um, unfailing love, how do you, from your experiences, how do challenges and disappointments allow us to reevaluate life and the choices that we make? Because you said you just decided, I don't want to live like this anymore. Uh, Yana Van Zant had an experience like that. One day, my soul just opened up. But how do, how do, like one challenge after the next, setbacks, disappointments, how do they make room or allow us to reevaluate life and the choices that we're making?
1: For me, it put me in a position where I could only depend on God. And the reason I say that is because growing up in, in, in my relationships and things, I was so used to depending on me. and oh, oh, I'll get this done or I'll take care of that, and God wanted me to depend on him. And so a lot of the setbacks and different challenges and things that I went through was because I was trying to do things my way and not allow God to have control and not allow God to work, really work in my life. And since I've done that, I've watched and I've noticed the difference. And like, I don't, it, it really helps to, you know, not get so upset like I used to before, um, it, it brings about a peace in me that even though I may struggle at that time or I may cry, I may go to, you know, bed holding my Bible or on my knees and, and, and crying out to the Lord, I may go through that. But at the end result, when God comes through and he answers that prayer and he does it way so much better than I could ever dream or think of or imagine, I'm like, oh, my God, what took me so long to understand that? <laughs> And so that's what I think, you know, um, you know, the world wants you to think, or, you know, even with the, you know, the women empowerment is, think, is teaching us to depend on self. When God's message is, I want you to depend on me. And I have mm-hmm. nothing against women's empowerment. You know, I'm for women's rights and different things like that. But when we get to the point where we're depending on self, that's a that's a deceptive move that God wants us to depend on him, not on us because if we depend on other people or we depend on ourselves we're going to fail. We 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 can't always depend on ourselves. Sometimes there's going to be something that comes in your life that you're not going to know what how to deal with. And it, and it's going to destroy you, but if you don't if you have God, it can't destroy you.
0: Mm, yeah, yeah,
1: the, the, that's just been my experience. This, you know, and I'm yeah. just sharing that. That's, you know, everybody doesn't believe that, but that's just been my experience of how God has, you know, really been moving in my life.
0: And and again, thank you for thank you for sharing that. We do come up against situations where it's I don't know what to do. I don't know what to mm-hmm. do. And maybe that's one of those where you have to reevaluate your life and the choices you you like. I'm making bad choices, but I don't know how to stop. Where you you, mm-hmm. you have higher guidance. Now, why does it take courage to hit the reset button and start over? We know we're doing the wrong thing, but we just keep doing it. Why does it take so much courage to hit that reset button? You, you did it and start over.
1: Because it takes courage to be vulnerable. Mm. When you, when you, when you take courage to sit back, because sometimes God will show you pride, He will so, show you selfishness, He will show you, you know, things about yourself, and be like, I'm not like that. I don't do that. And yeah, you do. <laughs> And, but it takes courage and it takes strength to say, okay, Lord, let me back up. Let me put you first and then, and let me allow you to have reign in my life. We sometimes as Christians uh, or believers, we want to be saved. So we accept Jesus as savior, but we don't accept him as Lord. We don't accept God's word as the final authority over every area of our lives. I went through myself, and he's been working through me to where I trust him in every area of my life now because I used to be where, hold up, Lord, you handle that over there, but I I got this. I don't need you over here. (laughs) And, you know, I'd be like, "Uh, yeah, you do. And so, you know, that that challenge of, of that takes courage to sit back and do nothing and say, oh, wait, I'm I'm waiting on an entity that I can't see, I can't touch, I can't feel to move in my life. But he's real. And he does move. And he I've seen him move. And so, you know, because of what I've experienced, nobody can tell me any different because I know for myself. And every person has to have that experience so that yes. they can see for themselves.
0: And speaking of that, when we talk about experiences and uh, letting the Lord lead us, back to the title of your story and what many are looking for in this world and some begging for it, uh, can is it possible for a man to offer a woman unfailing love? You said we all have baggage. We all are working through things. Is that even possible?
1: Yes, but only with God.
0: Because that that is coming from the unfailing love is coming from the Lord. It's just been exercised through us. Now, what steps? What mm-hmm. steps, Yolanda? You said you wanted to get involved, like in, in social work and now marital work, working with people with marital counseling. What steps can each of us take to lead young girls toward real love and away from future domestic violence? I mean, the domestic violence statistics are staggering, staggering.
1: Yes. Uh, yes.
0: sexual abuse, et cetera, to lead young girls away from this, away from these hurtful, <coughs> hurtful, damaging relationships that might start off sweetly but end very, very, very badly. What can each of us do to take steps to gear young girls towards unfailing love?
1: Well, I think the first step that we can do, especially as the older women, is living the lifestyle that they need to see. And we need to model the behavior that we're trying to get across to them. And we also, the second thing is having that open, honest, transparent, vulnerable conversations with them. It's not where, you know, you're telling your daughter, oh, okay, you're not going to date or you're not going to do this and you're not going to do that. Sit down and have a discussion about it and then ask her, what do you think you should do? Based on what we talked about, based on, you know, look at some statistics. You know, the Internet is available. You can Google anything. It will give you statistics of girls who are being kidnapped, girls who are being human trafficked, girls who are in, you know, uh, physically abusive relationships in high school, in elementary school. And if you look at those statistics and we sit down and we teach our daughters that this is, you know, this is what's going on, This, is, but you have a choice. You don't have to choose to go this path. But then also, to the first thing should be developing a relationship with Christ, because without that foundation with God, they're going to come up against things in their life that they're not going to know how to deal with. And they have to know who they are and whose they are. They have to understand that they are princesses, that we are queens, that we get our education, that our body is, is not a tool it's not a toy, it is something precious, it is a gift, our sexuality is a gift to give to our husbands, and we, when they truly understand that, then they are able to make some different choices for their lives. I've seen it happen in the girls, some of the girls' lives that that we've mentored uh, through Grace, it's called Grace High Ministries, and um, it's just amazing how You know, God really moves in the lives of the girls, but then they also have to go home to some environments, you know, sometimes that are not modeling that behavior. And then to us as older women who are, you know, walking with God, who are being obedient to the word, we're not always sharing and mentoring those young girls. We all need somebody. We all were created for connection and connectivity. And these girls need somebody to reach out to them to let them know that, hey, you can make some different choices in life. And if you are a woman, a godly woman that's doing that, we need to reach out. We need to let these young girls know that somebody cares about them.
0: Oh, that's so powerful. And, you know, not only when I said that, like, the domestic violence statistics are, they are they are really staggering. I mean, it's
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: it is so, I mean, just that alone is, oh, my God. You think how many young girls are just stepping in it is, oh, it's just heartbreaking. And then Mm
1: -hmm.
0: the sex trafficking is just outrageous. It is outrageous. And so that is aside from domestic violence. That is aside Mm -hmm. from, you know, molestations. And it's just so we need to be there for our young girls. We have to be. We have to be. It's just too much going on. What, What do you hope that readers gain from reading?
1: Unfailing love. I'm hoping that they gain an insight into developing an intimate personal love relationship with Christ. Okay. That's, like I said, that's that's just been the foundation um, for me as, as a catalyst to learning to love myself, to appreciate who I am. To appreciate who God created me—that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, that I'm worthy, that I'm a, a princess, that I'm the apple of His eye, you know, that I'm a daughter of a king and I'm heir to a throne—and and that is just an amazing feeling when you when you truly understand just who you really
0: are—and and and knowing who who you are—and you you would think that. If you're raised in a good home, your parents are teaching you and they're reinforcing your value right in front of you and to you. Instead of the constant criticism tearing you down, now you doubt who you are and you're looking to other people to tell you in different situations you're okay because you didn't get it. You didn't get it at home, so we have to get that at home. And thank you for yes. sharing your story. But if we don't get it at home, programs like you started, uh, Building Women of Integrity. I wanted to ask you to yes. as come to the close of the day show. When and why did you found Building Women of Integrity, and what are some of the services that the organization offers?
1: Uh, right now, it's not an organization. I just have a Facebook page, but God had put it on my heart um, that, you know, being women, a woman of integrity And he had put that on my heart and revealed to me that, you know, this is how I can reach women and help them, uh, you know, to make some different choices, to have those conversations. And I haven't been as diligent about blogging, but on the Facebook, there's a Building Women of Integrity. And uh, with school, right now with school, and I also have a cake business.
0: (laughs) Okay. There's so
1: many different things going on. Yeah. But I I gotta get back to, you know, making some posts on there. But I started that years ago. It got pressed up on my heart to, you know, and I was looking for an avenue through social media to reach out to women, to touch women, to, you know, let them know that they are loved, that, you know, they're they're special, that they are God's masterpieces and you know, we, we gotta, you know, do better and, and just sharing, just sharing the love of Christ with them.
0: And now, this quote, I love this quote from at the Facebook Building Women of Integrity page. Overcome the notion that you must be regular. It robs you of the chance to be extraordinary. Why do you, you said this at the start of the show, and we only got six minutes left, but why do you think, uh, and again, you said you fell into this, and I've certainly fallen into it. Why do you think we try so hard to fit in or be like other people? Why are we so scared to be our
1: authentic self. Because that can be lonely sometimes. Being your authentic self can um, isolate you. It could leave you. You know, people look at you differently. Those who used to be your friends don't want to be your friends anymore. And so we choose to opt for the fit in as opposed to stand alone, you know, because we are extraordinary. We are extraordinary beings that have been created for extraordinary purposes. And, you know, God wants us to do some some extraordinary things. We're not just ordinary. We're not made to just fit in. But when we don't know that and we're not taught that and nobody ever speaks that into our life, then we don't know.
0: Okay. Now, how did you get started writing for The Upper Room? Do you, did you get a, piece, a one piece uh, published with them or did you write several articles with them?
1: Um, I wrote a couple articles with them, and I met the editor at the uh, Mount Hermon's Christian Writers Conference, and have kept oh, okay. it. That's, she's also the yeah, she's also the one that I did the um, compilation of um, the the book, the short and sweet of it. Okay. With the words, yeah. So I'm, I, I've made a lot of connections through the Mount Hermon Christian Writers Conference.
0: Okay, so now uh, there's a good reason to get out for off-the-shelf listeners who want to be published and attend some writers' conferences. We've had some authors who come on here, and they say that's how they got thoughted. They met a literary mm-hmm. agent or somebody at a writer's conference. Uh, if, can you just give us briefly, uh, what's your writing process like? Do you start with outlines, character sketches? How do you develop a story or an article?
1: Well, initially, I just start with whatever God gives me. I just, I just sit down and write, and then I go back and structure it, like, what's the message? What am I trying to get across? And and then I structure it like that.
0: Okay. So just with the, with you start with the message first. Do you think you will ever, like, have you, or do you think you will write a novel in the future?
1: Yes, I'm working on that. <laughs>
0: Oh, okay. Can you give us a glimpse into what that novel is about and when we can expect to see it on the market?
1: The novel is about my life story, but it's a little bit more than just the unfailing love. It covers a whole aspect of not only relationships, but just life period and on a journey, a path of, um, you know, discovering me. And I'm hoping it will be out next year of next year around valentine's day
0: oh see there (laughs) that's good good. that is great timing and please let me let me know you can either let me know through paulette or through the show when it comes out so we can let our listeners here know uh when your when your novel comes out now where can off-the-shelf listeners get a copy of arise from the ashes and any other works or anthologies that you have writings in
1: well, they can either reach me for a, indiv- a signed book through the Building Women of Integrity at Gmail dot com, or they can get the book on Amazon, Barnes and Noble.
0: Okay, yeah, the- Barnes and
1: Noble, I think.
0: But if they Amazon. want a signed
1: copy from me, it would be Jeep G- through Gmail, the Building Women of Integrity at Gmail dot com.
0: Okay. Now, are you on any social networks? If you are, can you tell us uh, where off-the-shelf listeners can connect with you via some social media site?
1: I'm on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. <laughs> Except for okay. I don't tweet much. <laughs> I'm still oh, okay. trying to learn I mean, all, of that, all of that stuff, but mostly on Instagram and Facebook.
0: There's so much, it's so many of them out there. So, you know, you pick a few mm-hmm. and just We want to thank you, Yolando Cooksey. Oh, my goodness, what a blessing. What a blessing you are. So we want to thank Yolando for being here with us, and we certainly thank all of our off-the-shelf listeners, whether you're catching the show live. There's so many ways to listen to off-the-shelf, Rainbow Soul, iTunes, people to chat room, people dial in. There's so many ways people catch off-the-shelf live or in the archives. We want to thank you for being here with us on Off the Shelf this morning. And we want to thank Yolanda and encourage you to to support her, Yolanda Cooksey. And I'm going to spell her first name, Y-O-L-A-N-D-O, Cooksey, C-O-O-K-S-E-Y. She is a contributor to the short and sweet of it, when the right word is a short word. And she's also a contributor to the anthology Arise from the Ashes, and her her story, it's a true story in Arise from the Ashes, is titled Unfailing Love. Right. So thank her for being here with us this morning, and, and thank you. And as I tell you, you are incredible. You are amazing. You, as Yolanda said, you are extraordinary. So go out and create a fabulous, a fabulous day for yourself. Yolanda, I'll shoot you an email. Bye for now.
1: All right. Thank you. Bye-bye.